This is Unanimous Indecision. I'm Joshua Troop. It's the best day of the week because we are sitting here talking about not just one, but two different Suicide Squad movies. That's today's movie reviews. For those of you, it's your first time listening to us. I just want to let you know that there's many ways you can find us and listen to us. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts are sold for free. Also, we are record this live on twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision if you go to twitch you can hop into the chat and share your thoughts and theories while we're recording and we can actually carry on a conversation about whatever it is that we're talking about or you could you can bring up another topic that, that you think is interesting related to movies and tv also uh, we do multiple shows here. We do this show Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, movie review, and then later in the episode after the movie reviews, this week's movies, The Suicide Squads, but after we'll be talking about this past week's movie news. A lot of sequels that are in works, or I should say, because uh, not all of them are sequels, but uh, franchise movies, series movies, um, non-originals. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, a lot, a lot of things in work that, that we'll be talking about and getting into after the Suicide Squad's reviews. Um, and then the other show due is Saturday noon Eastern time. Uh, this week, we will not just be talking the Bad Batch finale, which is super exciting, um, but also the What If premiere, the Marvel's new animated TV show um, that feels like it's canon alternate universe but still canon uh so we'll we'll begin i have a lot of thoughts about that one um having already seen it bad batch finale hasn't come out yet so so we'll be talking all that on saturday saturday will be a great show uh much like this one <laughs> and every week you know every week's a good show um but yeah, let's get into it. Uh, what do I want to start with? Which one? Uh, sure, let's let's go to let's start with the new one. Everyone's been living with uh, the 2016, which I think I've been calling the 2017 Suicide Squad, um, which would have been an unfortunate year if Justice League and Suicide Squad came out in the same year, because Justice League I think is 2017. Let me verify that. Um, yeah, it is 2017. Okay. Yeah. Would have been unfortunate for myself if justice league and suicide squad came out in the same year, two different years, suicide squad was 2016. And obviously we've all been living with that in our heads for five years, that that's the peak of the suicide squad characters, storytelling, um, and whatnot, whether you like it or not, um, that, that was the peak. We've all been living with it together. Um, I have on numerous occasions ragged on it. So let's get into the new one. Did I like it? Did I think it was better? Did is it inherently a better story? Is it no? Um, I don't know. I, it's uh, I, I really like this movie, The Suicide Squad, that just came out. Um, the the new one, um, it's a sequel. I I've seen a lot of people being like um, hesitating to call it sequel. There's a few people out there calling it a reboot. Few people that also refuse to call it a reboot. Don't know what to call it. Just call it something else. In my head, it is 100% a sequel. And I actually like it this way. Because um, I think it's cool. I think it's actually... It, I think it uplifts the original um, some. Because certain characters continue into this. Uh, namely, Rick Flagg, Harley Quinn, uh, Amanda Waller. Captain Boomerang, 
uh, I feel like one others from maybe that's it. Just the three of them. Hopefully I'm not forgetting anyone, but <laughs> Oh, I, I know why I'm thinking that there's another character because before I get into this, I, I should say um, something that I think is really great about this movie is, and maybe this is James Gunn's like, this is the thing he understands to do really well because it's really interesting, right? He, he does guardians of the galaxy and the suicide squad are not the same movies. Not at all. Um, you could easily pitch them as like the same movie kind of thing. Sure. One's rated R and one's a family film, but, uh, but you can look at them and be like, okay, they both follow Marvel and DC's like C or D tier characters, um, that create this kind of, uh, out of the circumstance family with each other and like just ragtag group. Um, and so you could easily say that like guardians and suicide squad fit in the same mold of like superhero things, but he manages to tell a completely different story than guardians of the galaxy. Um, more than just its rating difference. And it, but that's the thing that I think is so interesting is guardians of the galaxy. All what is there five of them? in the first one. Um, yeah, I think there's five. Yeah. All five of them in the first one fully are like fully realized characters. They all have their own motivations. They all have their own quirks. They all have their own reasons for being part of the team reasons for wanting to leave the team. Um, they have their own personality traits. They, they all are unique characters and function together and they're all fully developed and it feels great it's a great ensemble piece uh which is why a lot of people say guardians of the galaxy is one of the one of if not the best marvel movie out there i think it's one of the best but uh so so it's good it's very good but then you look at the suicide squad and i can't help but saying the exact same thing about the suicide squad these are fully realized characters. They all have their own individual quirks. No one's really creeping on each other's personality like too much. There, there's definitely like uh, some similarities, um, and they like even show that um, by uh, Peacemaker and uh, yeah, it was Bloodsport. Peacemaker and Bloodsport have like a killing contest kind of thing because. Um, and, and they even talk about it that uh, is it's something that was done actually really well is Amanda Waller tells Bloodsport, hey, you're in charge of this team. Everyone has been chosen for their unique, unique and special abilities. And he goes, OK, what's my ability? And she's like, you can kill any anything in your hands is a deadly weapon. You can kill anyone uh, X, Y and Z and just like gives him nice a nice rap sheet. And then they get to Peacemaker and she describes him word for word the exact same way. But they are so personality. They might have the exact same abilities, quote unquote, but they're so uh, personality wise different from each other that like you wouldn't confuse them with each other. They, they don't act like each other at all. They're very different. And, and that's, I think, the thing that's cool is that everyone feels he somehow took these like 15 characters. I, I don't know how many there actually are, but sure, 15. Um, 
15 characters and really gives them all a unique moment to shine. Um, and, and that's, I think the thing that is amazing about this movie to me that I think it really works is that it's such an ensemble piece. I also forgot to mention as I forget every week, um, I actually forget it twice a week cause we do two shows here, but, uh, I always forget to do the spoiler caveat. I don't think I've really spoiled anything yet other than who's in the movie, which you should know. Um, and so we spoil things. This is the kind of conversation you have around the water cooler at work or the lunch table at school, wherever you talk about movies and TV shows. And so just want to give everyone a heads up so that no one's complaining. I mean, if you've been listening to us by now, you should have figured out that we spoil everything here uh, because we want to talk about it. We want to talk about every juicy little detail, you know, um, and this movie, there's a lot of juicy, bloody details. <laughs> um and so going back to talking about the Suicide Squad, that's something I think James Gunn does fantastically well is ensemble pieces, giving all these characters different attributes, uh, different different motivations and different quirks, different personalities. It's great. And the execution of it is wonderful. Um, and that's something I think that's my favorite part about this movie is just watching the character interactions. Um Typically with me, when it comes to movies, there's two things I'm looking for more than like anything else. And it's character interactions and story. <laughs> what is the plot? Why am I watching this? Um, those are the two main things. And this one's character moments, just whether they're interacting with each other or uh, having their alone moments. Sometimes when these C-tier villains are alone, they're just as good as when they're with people. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I really thought it was done well. Um, I mean, the fact that, okay, I've given the caveat for spoilers, so I'm jumping into it. There's like a team A and a team B, right? Team A is about like 10 of them. Team B is like five of them. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but all of team A more or less die. And that's not entirely true, but, um, all of the nine, uh, all of the people who weren't in the first movie who are in this movie that were part of team a die. Um, but I gotta say like, it was great. I knew I was going to like TDK cause it's Nathan Fillion and Nathan Fillion needs to be in more things because firefly was awesome. But, uh, yeah. So like, but like I didn't expect, uh, with TDK's like arms are being shot. He like feels every pain and like, that's something you don't think about. And it's great. Um, and then even like Blackguard with the seatbelt was incredible. Javelin got a dying moment. Um, uh, Savant, which we open with, I, I think Savant was developed very well um, for how short he is in this movie. Um, and He's just like just trying to get rid of his sentence. And then we learn so much about him the moment he's thrust into the field. Um, this also, I think, is my favorite version. It's really interesting because everyone, uh, even the people who, much like myself, who don't necessarily uh, think the old Suicide Squad was that great, uh, they they always say there's one or two things good about it. And the, the first thing is Harley Quinn. And the second thing is Deadshot. I think that's my opinion. Um, 
is Harley Quinn and Deadshot. They are they are carrying that movie on their backs. Harley Quinn slightly probably has more moments than Deadshot, so maybe her a little bit more. But um, but the two of them, they are co leads. It's not an ensemble piece. It's their movie. <laughs> um, and then watching Birds of Prey, which was a movie I wasn't necessarily too thrilled about how it turned out. Um, Again, I was like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, again, Harley Quinn's the best part of this movie, and it's nice that she's actually leading it, but again, it's kind of just okay. I actually think this movie, The Suicide Squad, is the my favorite version of Harley Quinn, um, and it's really interesting because this is the first time she hasn't had to carry the film. She's actually in this ensemble movies where other people are doing their own lifting in their own scenes. You're not just waiting till another Harley Quinn scene. And this is actually my favorite version of her. Um, she is absolutely crazy in this um, and all the stuff she's doing and the hijinks she gets into. It's great. Um, I love that whole. It's kind of a whole individual sequence within the movie, her with the president of this uh, country. Um, like it's great those moments are awesome um because she's like worshipped by the people because she she's perceived as anti-american and this country is is uh very anti-american because she fights batman and so uh so this country like worships her <laughs> um, or looks up to her at least uh and so like playing around with all that is i thought it was really fun um and then uh try to think peacemakers great the kind this is kind of going into team b but like weasel even gets a moment um i was i was talking to someone just the other day for like 10 minutes just about weasel weasel's not in this movie for very long <laughs> and i was talking all about this character i was like completely gives me the creeps this is the first time like i don't really see sean gun in rocket raccoon but i see sean gun in weasel for sure um, like that, that I see, um, and it's done super well. The eyes are bulging out. It's great. Um, and, uh, I feel like if I leave, a sp if I go through all the characters and then I leave someone out, it's bad, but oh, well, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, also like the way Amanda Waller acts in this, I, it feels like the exact same character as the first movie. And that's what I think is great about it is like, her character, zero change. It's just like, hey, the Suicide Squad worked back in 2016 talking in world. I'm not talking about the, how the movie worked. Um, but the team, like, they succeeded. They won their mission uh, in, back in 2016. So it worked. So clearly she got additional funding. She's now, like, fully operating out of Belrev prison. Um, and she's constantly sending teams out. There's kind of this established idea that like everyone understands what's going on in this prison, inside of the prison. Like when she's bringing Savant in or when she's bringing Bloodsport in to give them the rundown, it's like, you know the drill. I'm giving you 10 years off your sentence. You do this mission, yada, yada, yada. Um, if you die, we disavow any knowledge of sending you. you you're a ghost. You're a villain. Um, and all that stuff. But Bloodsport he will never do a job for her. He's the, he's the, he's the straight and narrow villain, which is a weird idea, but uh, <laughs> he's a, a straight and narrow villain. Um, but she gets him by blackmail 
which, you know, Amanda Waller, not a good person. Um, so it's great. And seeing more of her evil inclinations. I also think um, after we get the whole team a stuff, we get opening credits. I'm a huge fan of opening credits. I've got an old soul. I've watched a ton of old movies. I love a good opening credits and this movie. It's as good as it gets because James Gunn so perfectly captures everyone's mind going into this movie, which is who's going to die so much to the point that I'm pretty sure people had this in the first suicide squad, but obviously it didn't pan out very well because only like one of them died. Um, the one that no one knew was in the movie. All right. I, I'm not, I'm not talking about that movie just yet, but, <laughs> uh, but in this movie, so many of the characters die and so many of them have already died by the time we get to the opening credits such that, um, the opening credits are completely about Amanda Waller's minions, <laughs> the people that work for her in her division, um, exchanging money based on bets of who died. Uh, and it's great because I, I forgot to do it. I, I definitely wanted to do it with a couple of my friends, but I wanted to have a pool where we bet on who was going to die in this movie. Cause we all knew a lot of them were. And within the first five minutes, two thirds of the characters are gone. So, uh, so like the idea that the opening credits is all about the exchanging of money of that. It's like, if you're watching this, maybe not at a theater like I was, which I think was great in theaters, by the way, but in the future, you're watching it at home kind of thing. Um, or if you were watching it at home for the first time with your friends who you made these bets with after that, those first five minutes, there was money being exchanged because so many people had died. Um, and so you were enacting out the opening credits. And, and so I thought it was genius. I, I thought it was very, uh, very aware of itself without being meta because like, that's completely what this division is set up to do is send out these C tier villains to possibly go die, uh, or maybe succeed the mission. Uh, so I, th I thought it was great. Um, then we get into kind of the team a stuff. Um, the, I, I really like Bloodsport. How can you not like him? I mean, he if you had to say there was a lead, you'd probably argue it was Bloodsport, I think. Um, but honestly, it feels like uh everyone on team A, with the exception of um Ratcatcher 2 seems a little bit less. Um and um and then King Shark and What's his name? Just Polka Dot Man. Um, they're they're definitely towards the bottom. They they're not very active when it comes to the direction of the story. But uh, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, Rick Flag, and Harley Quinn, all all four of them carrying this movie a hundred percent. But but I think everyone gets their time to shine, which is great. Um, I mean, Ratcatcher too gets a flashback all her own. <laughs> like it's awesome. Um, Actually, I think she gets two. Yeah, I think she gets a flashback and an end credit scene, right? Wasn't that what it was? Like that's no, 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 no. I don't think it was the end credit scene just yet. No, it was before that. Um, but I do think she gets two flashbacks. Uh, like that's crazy. Uh, for Ratcatcher, uh, that's awesome. Um, I also just love weird characters, and this movie really gives those weird characters a moment to shine. Um. 
But yeah, like I said, Harley Quinn has some great moments with the president of this country. Um, all those are good. Peacemaker and blood sports moments. Their constant antagonism of each other while also going through the motions. Also peace, um, peacemaker, the kind of the three guys, their, their triangle of like relationship, uh, whatever you call that friendship, enemy ship, whatever it is. Um, cause like peacemaker and blood sport clearly have this complete budding rivalry for like most of the movie. Um, and then blood sport and Rick flag are former, uh, platoon buddies. They, they fought on the same, in the same squad. They served the same tour. Um, so like they've got a connection and then Rick flag and peacemaker are kind of butt heads a lot. Cause they're, uh, pathways to justice are very countered to each other. Um, and then peacemaker has just some absurd lines of dialogue that are wonderfully written for John Cena to say, <laughs> um, blood sport and rat catcher twos awesome relationship. Um, their surrogate father, surrogate daughter kind of roles. Um, and I think that's part of the main story that I, James Gunn's trying to tell here is that relationship between Bloodsport and Ratcatcher 2. Because and that's why we get those Ratcatcher 2 flashbacks, because Ratcatcher 2, we focus on her dad, who's dead. Uh Bloodsport, we focus on his daughter, who he can't be with because he's a villain. And he also doesn't want to because he knows she'd be better off without him because he's a villain. Uh, but ultimately she just wants to be closer to him. Right. And that's kind of what we learned throughout the movie, which I think is really cool. And so we focus on this surrogate father daughter relationship between Bloodsport and Ratcatcher 2. And it warms my heart between these two really weird villains. <laughs> and like Bloodsport's afraid of rats, Ratcatcher controls. Rat. It's great. It's wonderful. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's such a funny movie. It's done so well. Uh, there's also the jokes that aren't just dialogue. The, Bloodsport and Peacemaker are having their um, pissing contest and then they get to where they're supposed to go and they're like, oh, we shouldn't have killed all those people. Oh, wonderful. We were just competing to kill those people in the coolest way and we shouldn't have killed a single one of them. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so like the, the comedy value of this movie, I think really lands, um, King shark, um, King shark. There are definitely moments. It, it's kind of weird. Cause, cause there's definitely moments where King shark worked. Uh, but I think for the most part, if you had to point fingers at any character that was weakest, I would say it was King shark. And it's part of the problem being surrounded by so many, um, level-headed characters i guess and then you have king shark which is like as dumb as a doornail he raises his hand just to point out he has a hand um and then just all, always wants to eat people like he, he's like the barbarian of the group we we often put our ensembles into D D terms he's just the barbarian of the group and that's the role he fills everyone else kind of fills a lot of roles but he is just the barbarian of the group and so that's a little unfortunate um, but there's a few moments that I think are really enjoyable with him. The aquarium scene, possibly the best scene with him. <laughs> um, I think it's awesome. He's like so happy and giddy. He's like a child. Uh, and it's voiced by Sylvester Stallone. So how could, how could you be angry completely with this character? 
Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's the strongest character. It's just it has its moments of entertainment. Um, and then those jellyfish start like eating him or whatever. Um, yeah, that stuff is good. Melvin, Melvin, I think no Melton, Melvin, Melton or Melvin. See, that's the joke is I don't even remember his name. If you've seen the movie, you know why that's funny that I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What is it? Melton? Melton doesn't sound like a name though. It sounds like I was melting it. Um, Milton. I'm just pronouncing it wrong. That's what it is. It's Milton, not Melton. Wow. We got there. We got there eventually. Milton. That moment is great. Um, so yeah, this movie is just, I, I think it's just super enjoyable. There's so many moments. Every character gets their time to shine while at the same time, we're very focused on this story. Um, that is sort of localized to this country, but as you see in the movie, it, um, could have implications for the DC earth at large, uh, because this starfish project starfish could just expand to the whole planet, I guess. Uh, which would not be good. And so that's why Suicide Squad need to stop it. But then there's always that secondary mission that Amanda Waller sets up. And I don't know, everything's just teased super well because it's not like that came out of nowhere. We knew about the the astronaut footage and all that stuff. And so like, yeah, it's, uh, I, I really like this movie. I, I think it's a good one. Um, I don't know if it's, my favorite movie in the DC Wonder Woman's just so strong, you know. It might be second though. It might be second. I really appreciate what this movie was set out to do, and then what it actually did. And I, I think it, I, I think it's great. I think it's really good. There's not too many negative things I can say about it, um, because it it was also set up to be a ridiculous movie, and it accomplished that while also telling this very cohesive narrative and giving all 15 of these characters a moment to shine, but the main five or six multiple moments to shine. Um, and then the whole rat catcher two story and the, I, I completely forgot Taika Waititi was in this movie. Um, I think, I think when I saw that he was in and we didn't know who he was playing, I figured he would be voicing the starfish but the starfish didn't really have its own voice. Um, and so then when, and I forgot that Taika Waititi was in the movie in general. And then when we get the first flashback. I was like, I think that's Taika Waititi. And then we get the second one, which is even a better flashback. And it's so good because at the end of the day, even though James Gunn is telling this gore fest of a, of an R rated superhero movie, he still manages to tell a moral in it. Isn't that incredible? He still manages to sit down, pause, and let you sit on um, Rat Catcher and Rat Catcher 2 to say, oh, why rats, papa? Because if even they have a purpose, don't we all? And it's wonderful. And and that's what I think is really special about this movie is that like it can do everything. It can, can be crazy. It can be R-rated. But then it can sit down and teach you something and make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside right before Ratcatcher 2 is inspired to summon millions and millions of rats to kill a starfish. Right? That's a sentence that exists now. Um, I was really grossed out by the eye scene. Um the the eye it's such a big eye 
Um, hey, what's up, Hershey? Good to see you. Appreciate you viewing us. Um, I don't know if you've seen The Suicide Squad yet. You should definitely check it out. Um, I don't have entirely too much more to say about The Suicide Squad specifically um making dinner what are you having for dinner um you should definitely check out the movie though when you get some time um i don't have anything too much to say about the suicide squad any much more to say about the suicide squad individually um and we already kind of know my base thoughts about suicide squad from 2016 uh but to talk about them kind of together a little bit comparatively so i rewatch before i get into that i guess um chicken and rice and veggies nice that's super healthy man i should make that for dinner i don't think i will i'll probably have something unhealthy but or soup soup's easy um but uh yes yeah, so the 2016 suicide squad i actually rewatched it um it's this only the second time i've watched it most superhero films i've seen like dozens of times um suicide squad i watched it once in theaters and never again I wouldn't touch the movie because I had such a, a negative feeling about it. And I realized almost a hundred. Now, let me correct that about 75% of my anger with 2016 suicide squad was just disappointment, which is actually a good thing. It's a good thing because it, to a certain extent, it's my own fault. I, I, it's hard for me to say that it's my own fault. I, I personally blame the trailer for telling me the movie was going to be one way and then it was different. Um, chicken breast about to go bad, so you needed to cook it. That's a good reason to make that for dinner. I actually had the same. Um, I bought some lamb chops the other day and had that for dinner right before it went bad. Very good. Um, that's a good reason to, to cook that for dinner. I, I wonder if that's like the main reason people choose recipes is because the food is about to go bad. I wonder how often, like 50%. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just disappointment. And it was because the trailer, I think it was because maybe I just had these unreasonable expectations that could have never been met. I don't think so, because the Suicide Squad, I saw the trailer, got really excited for it, and it met my expectations, uh, exceeded it in some regards. But uh, 2016 Suicide Squad. I loved that trailer. That was that was a trailer I probably watched like ten times the day it came out because it was awesome. It was Bohemian Rhapsody. It was it was such a good trailer. It was all these character introductions. I loved it. And then we get to the movie and rewatching the movie, I realize where all my disappointment comes from. The biggest complaint I have to say about the movie is it's just kind of boring. It's just a little boring. There's not a whole lot going on in it. Now, not every movie needs to be The Suicide Squad, which I think is like a pretty hyperactive movie for about 80% of it. Not every movie needs to be that. Um, but The Suicide Squad, the, the new one does still have its moments of downtime, and I appreciate those inner... inner what's the word? Inner-sparsed throughout. Um, but yeah, 2016 Suicide Squad... It's just kind of boring. They're fighting literally faceless monsters. They just shoot them until they fall down. They even set up, and this was something that it was actually a new problem I got. They set up that like these things are like unkillable or something. 
And then Deadshot's just like, well, I'm just going to shoot him. And then they die and they all start shooting him and they're all dying. And so it was like, oh, I guess they're not unkillable. They're just a little tankier than you expect. Um, but yeah, and so there's that. Now, I do think the Amanda Waller uh, mid story, I think that aspect of 2016 Suicide Squad, I think that's fantastic. That part of that movie is the best part of the movie. It's such a good, oh, we're we're trying, we're trying, we're here during this world ending event to get one person out of that building and then also to end the event. And then the one person turns out to be Amanda Waller. She kills her own people. Like it's it's got so many layers to it that like that stuff is really good. I stand by that the Joker stuff still doesn't amount to anything in the movie, so it's kind of pointless. It's marginally better than I remembered it being um, just because the level of detail they go into setting it up. But then again, yep, Joker picks up Harley Quinn and he gets her for about 12 seconds and Deadshot gets his moment where he's going to shoot her, but he decides, oh, I missed. He misses a shot. Remember, Deadshot don't miss. So if he's missing, he's missing by choice. Um, so he chooses to save Harley Quinn, this person he doesn't really have any connection to. Um, and then she gets to be with Joker. But then literally 12 seconds later, Amanda Waller calls in another airplane to shoot down Joker and Harley Quinn. And Harley Quinn joins the group again. Oh, that was cool. I'm glad, glad that was in the middle of the movie. Didn't amount to anything. That's a, that's a cool B plot. Typically B plots amount to something <laughs> still. Um, but yeah, that, that's still, I think my biggest problem is that the Joker stuff doesn't really amount to anything, but I think the Amanda Waller stuff works a lot better than I remember it working. Um, also the Rick flag, uh, Enchantress stuff is, is it's, it's plenty fine. It's a, it's a good setup for, for the whole movie. Um, the movie is also very monochromatic, which isn't always great. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think that's the number one reason people hate Thor, the dark world is that it's monochromatic. I think you, you spruce that movie up a little bit, make it a little bit more lively. Whereas this, the suicide squad 2021, like this thing is so colorful. <laughs> There's so, so, so much going on. Everyone's costumes are colorful. It's wonderful. Um, the, so, so I will say the 2016 suicide squad is not as bad as I remembered it being. I think most of that negative animosity towards it was just disappointment that I had raised in the expectation, disappointment of the expectation level that I had raised in myself from the trailer. Um, and it didn't meet it. So it's kind of my own fault because we, we shouldn't go into movies with our expectations, but isn't the whole point of trailers to get us hyped for things. So if they don't tell us, if they tell us, a different tone than the movie we get. I think the frustration could be warranted, but it's definitely not as bad of a movie as I want. And I, I think like, I'm not gonna, I think I'll still rag on the movie just cause like I've been ragging on it for five years, but I think I'll also be, you know, I, I, I can admit there's actually good things about the movie now. Um, such as the Amanda Waller story um uh, in an addition to just Deadshot and Harley Quinn right 
Um, I will say there's this really funny moment in the movie right before they've all like lost hope in the mission um, where they've basically given up. Rick flag has, I don't remember if he breaks the device or it is broken. Um, and they've all found out that this was kind of caused by Rick flag and Amanda Waller. Um, and so I, I don't remember if he breaks the, because they all have bombs in their necks, right? Um, I don't remember if he breaks that or if it just breaks, but they're all sitting in that bar depressed and he's like, do it, you guys can go. I can't kill you anyways. Like the bombs are broken or whatever. And Captain Boomerang dips instantly. And then immediately after Harley Quinn's pep talk, um, immediately after that pep talk, uh, they're all walking out looking cool. Uh, and they do this exact shot many times in the suicide squad as well. It's nothing against the shot, but captain boomerang comes back into frame and it's just not acknowledged that he left and came back. That he just completely abandoned them was going to go off on his own, but Nope. He decided to join the fight for no reason whatsoever. He wasn't in the pep talk room. I don't know what, gave him more courage. I don't get it because he's constantly talking throughout that movie about running away. He, he gets Slipknot killed by convincing Slipknot to leave. Um, that's something that I think is done much better in the sequel is, um, Slipknot gets like one line of dialogue before he dies. Um, and that's about it. Whereas no, he probably gets two. Uh, I'll be fair. He probably gets two. Uh, but like, we don't, I don't even think his name is really dropped in the movie. It, I think it's dropped once. Um, now in the suicide squad, there's probably a few of them that their name is only dropped once, but instead of them just getting one line or two lines, they all get one moment, which in my head sticks a lot better than just one line. Um, especially when you have a character like weasel who can't speak. So he needs the moments and not the dialogue. Uh, so I, I think it's the, the moments were just done super well of all these characters that eventually die. Um, as opposed to Slipknot. Oh yeah. Slipknot's joining the team. Oh yeah. Katana's joining the team. Who's Katana. Oh, her sword is sucks the soul out of its victims. Oh, I feel like we should get more details about that. Maybe, but okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the one thing that I think is absolutely hilarious, and I don't know if they're actually this similar in the comics, so it's just like happy circumstance, but if you take two of the one lead from the old suicide squad and one lead from the new suicide squad, uh, let's take blood sport and dead shot. Hard to say they are not the exact same character. Like they're not, don't get me wrong. They're not the same character and they act slightly different, but it is hard to say on paper that they are not the same character because with both of them, you could say any weapon in their hand is a deadly weapon. Um, they never miss their shots. They deadly accurate um all these other things they have all these toys that they use in their fighting um and then in both movies we focus very heavily on their father-daughter relationships it's just funny 
it's a funny similarity that all suicide squads have to follow this dad trying to do good for their daughter. <laughs> hey, if that's there's worse stories you could tell. I think that's a pretty wholesome one. So um, I think it's funny that it's similar in both, though. Uh, yeah, that's probably most of my thoughts about both Suicide Squad movies. I think people should definitely check this one out. I know it's not doing terribly well at the box office, but if you want a good rated R superhero movie and Birds of Prey didn't do it for you, I encourage you to check it out. Uh, even if Birds of Prey did do it for you, I mean, you get to see Harley Quinn and Captain Boomerang again. Well, I guess you only see a picture of Captain Boomerang in whatever. You get what I'm saying. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a fun movie. Um, going to the chat just before we go to the movie news uh, going back to Hershey talking about his dinner there's a website where you put in a link to the recipe and it gives you only the recipe oh, that actually sounds nice because I I don't need the family histories or the uh, drama that led to the creation of the recipe. I just need to know how to bake chicken. <laughs> um, obviously more complicated than that, but um, that is a nice website that exists. And I mean, there's a website for everything nowadays, but you, you know, sometimes you don't want to go past page one. Uh, before I jump into the movie news, uh, I just want to remind everyone to rate, review, subscribe, follow, wherever you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts sold for free. Also, as a reminder, live on twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision, much like Hershey is doing right now where he is, I'm engaging with him. We are conversating. Um, you can share your thoughts and theories about whatever it is you just want to talk about during these hour or two while we are recording the podcast. And it's all in good fun. You just want to interact and just have a conversation, you know, it's just talking amongst friends and the more, the merrier, you know, go, go join twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision, click that follow button and join the chat while we're live Wednesdays, 6 PM Eastern time recording the movies, movie news, which I'm about to get into. And then don't forget Saturday, this Saturday, we're doing the bad batch finale and the what if premiere um, it'll kind of be a fun episode because one show's ending, another show's beginning. Uh, that's Marvel's What If, uh, which will be noon on Saturday, noon Eastern time. That will be a fun one. Um, I'm very excited for it. But let's get into the movie news. We got some good ones here. Um, sticking with the topic of Suicide Squad. Um because we're good at doing transitions. Uh, James Gunn apparently might be making more DC movies. He is still making Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That movie got push, pushed back because of things. Um, and then he ended up making Suicide Squad. He's also making Peacemaker, the spinoff series following John Cena. Uh, which will hit HBO Max early next year. So I think they filmed the Peacemaker series immediately after Suicide Squad, uh, the Suicide Squad. Um, but Walter Hamada, who's DC Films president, we've talked about him in the past, uh, talks about James Gunn that he'll be back. We have more stuff planned, uh, which I think is awesome. Uh, James Gunn, I think, is a fantastic director. 
uh, like I said, the his the 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 diversity of tone and storytelling he's able to accomplish in his movies, um, I think, is really something to be appreciated. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so they even talk about the thing that makes Gunn such a fascinating filmmaker, which has proven integral to both the MCU and DCU, is that he doesn't shy away from the fictional elements that make comic books what they are. Can't disagree because Guardians of the Galaxy feels exactly like a Guardians comic book. I've never read a Suicide Squad comic book, but a- at least the movie feels good. Um, grounded comes in the form of emotional sincerity. I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to storytelling is emotional sincerity. Um, instead of overly complicated explanations as to how Ratcatcher 2's technology works. Um, yeah, this has come from the Hollywood Reporter and they've got a lot of stuff. Um Let's see. Uh, it's likely that we'll see Ratcatcher 2, Bloodsport, King Shark again. Um, but will it be in another Suicide Squad sequel or something else? Uh, I'm surprised they don't list Harley Quinn in that. Because I, I still think Harley Quinn's a great part of this movie. Um, so, And it isn't she pushing i feel like we previously talked about her pushing uh margot robbie pushing for a harley quinn poison ivy movie maybe that's what it'll be and so james gunn's probably won't direct that one um but yeah there's just a ton of characters they can pull for that they even talk about in here killer frost clayface dr light punch julie uh clock king chemo um crazy characters but yeah we've got future dc movies batgirls coming up blue beetles coming up i think we got cast for those the leads um so yeah give give james gunn more projects i am all for that um i also heard something and i don't see it in here but taika watiti who like i said plays Ratcatcher one uh apparently there's a rumor saying that Taika Waititi might direct um, might direct a DC movie um, which I I mean I think it's cool I think Taika Waititi is also a great director um, and the fact that he's already acted in it's slightly different but I, I could see it happening plus I don't see a reason why uh the any of these directors need to pigeon themselves into Marvel movie directors or DC movie directors. Like they could do both as long as they're good storytellers and it's good stories to tell. Yeah, do it. Tell, tell stories in both universes. Um, I'm all for it. So a lot, a lot of fun future things happen there happening there. Um, we got a Stranger Things season four teaser. It's finally coming. I don't remember what date. Um, I'm gonna be honest. This season four teaser wasn't that teasing. Um, it premieres next year. Um, it didn't hype me up that much. Not no more than I like already was after season three. I thought season three was fantastic. Um. I will say it seems interesting that they're going to the least. It looks like season four is going to go back to the least developed plot line of season two, uh, which was the idea of why she's called number 11. 
um, because there are more. Um, like we met eight. We met number eight. Um, so uh, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, if we're going to meet even more of them, I think that might be kind of weird. I thought it was already weird in season two. Even though I think it's a cool idea for that lore to be there, just the way they did it, uh, where completely separating the group. In season three, half the group was doing one thing and half group. I want a season of Stranger Things where they're all on the same side for once, and hopefully it's this one since now they're actually going against like Russia. <laughs> so that should be fun. Um, South Park. South Park's in the news. And... For some crazy stuff. Um, so South Park just made a huge deal. Or should I say, is this a reveal of an old deal? Let me, let me double test this. Um, in 26, how did I just read that? 2019, when HBO Max spent $550 million to be the exclusive domestic streaming home of South Park's 23-season-plus library. Uh, the writers cashed in, I think those are the writers, cashed in for $275 million. Wow. Um, they also received 50% of all non-TV. Yes, yeah, so they received 50% of all non-TV revenue. So 275 is half of 550. Um, but now, wait, this is, I'm, I'm confused. Paramount Plus is, is taking South Park from HBO Max. Is that how I read this? Paramount Plus have helped the creators score one of the biggest deals in TV history over the years. Parker and Stone, those are the writers I think, have reaped their gains. Comedy Central licensed South Park to Hulu in back-to-back -back deals worth $87.5 million and $110 million. Dude, these writers, man. Imagine writing one show and you become like a billionaire off of it. Like, that's crazy. A TV show. Like, that doesn't happen. Even the most popular shows, there's no way it's a billion dollars. Um... Field by new seasons, yada, yada, yada. Um, sources say that the $935 million six-year deal from Viacom CBS, which I think is also Paramount Plus. I think that's all together now. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Paramount Plus and CBS are together. I confuse it with NBC Peacock. Um, $935 million, six years for South Park through its 29th season. And it would cover the production costs. A uh, billion dollars. Literally a deal that's a billion dollars for just six years. Th this is like a one and a half billion dollar show at this point. That's crazy. More than that, probably. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, this is this is just nuts. Uh, Parker and Stone took an upfront cash payment that will keep them with Viacom CBS through 2027. 
Um, there's another nine-figure deal on the horizon as domestic streaming rights to South Park will come up again in 2025 with Paramount Plus, which lost out to the library at 2019. So I guess new seasons. What? That is just crazy. Dude, we're talking a billion dollars on top of a $500 million deal. Oh, so... My understanding is $550 million for the library at HBO Max for about six, at this point, four years, four more years. And then Paramount Plus, Viacom CBS, new seasons, a billion dollars. $1.5 billion literally in just the last 10 years. And this show has been around for already 23. Yeah, money oodles of money i i yeah going back to idris elba who starred in the suicide squad he he posted a precarious uh, instagram post twitter post a twitter post of a cartoon character's fist and everyone instantly recognized it Idris Elba is joining Paramount Plus, or I should just say Paramount's because it'll go to theaters. Paramount's Sonic the Hedgehog 2 voicing Knuckles, which means that we've got Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles at least. Um, it's this, I think it could be a fun movie. I mean, the first one was entertaining, it was fun. It's not uh, <laughs> the tight the tightest of stories and it's clearly sponsored by olive garden but uh it's a it's an entertaining movie and i think kids really liked it and appreciate it so i hope they manage to nail this one as well maybe they can get more money and don't have to ask olive garden for it um i wonder who else will be in it we've got a couple of, they list more cast members and don't say who they're playing and so i wonder if uh i think the pink one is amy um or if other sonic characters will be in it shadow even if we'll get like the full cat i mean not the full cast the full cast apparently is huge um but maybe we'll get many more than just sonic and tails as the limit of the t's at the end of sonic um i think that's cool that's cool expanding that world if that's the story you're gonna tell go for it for sure uh, just don't forget to tell a story while you're expanding the world. You know, biggest problem with sequels. Um, speaking of sequels, Real Steel 2. Wow. It's still, it's not confirmed, but it's still a possibility. Um, the director, Sean Levy, revealed to Inverse that he's had talks with Hugh Jackman about a potential Real Steel 2, uh, which is now like a decade old movie. But uh, it talks about how the movie was just about maybe it was ahead of its time. It seemed to be a very popular on uh, Netflix because once it was released there, it was a top 10. Uh, so like, yeah, maybe, maybe it was just ahead of its time or it came out in a competing weekend. I'm not too sure. Um, he's quoted saying it has been in my mind and in conversation a lot lately, maybe because of the fact that when Netflix started streaming it during lockdown, it became one of their top trending and most viewed titles, which led to Hugh and I talking about it. Uh, 
what is this love for real steel kind of this realization well wait we love it that much too and you know they thought no one else did but turns out they did uh we've always loved it that much too it's one of those never say never even though it feels like the clock has run out on that window of opportunity it feels like the fan love and audience hasn't gone away so who knows i'm be honest i think real steel's a pretty good movie um it doesn't surprise me that it was a huge success on netflix I realistically think that's its best place to have success. Um, I don't particularly see too many people going to theaters for the sequel, much like they didn't for the original. I don't see that changing unless Real Steel has actually fallen into the zeitgeist, which I don't really think it has. But if it's popular on Netflix, I think it could be a popular streaming movie i don't often advocate for that because i think it should try its hand at theaters for sure don't don't restrict yourself better to do both than to do just one um but i still say give it exclusive theatrically first you know like i i think hugh jackman's about to get back into movies in a big way you know he he was i mean he's never really completely taken off but um uh, He's got reminiscence coming up um, and like he finished doing Wolverine, his biggest character of all time, just a few years ago. So like, well, we'll have to see. Um, although you could argue uh, Jean Valjean's maybe his biggest character of all time. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so like Hugh Jackman coming back to do Real Steel 2, I think would definitely get people to see it. Now, would it be, I think it's tough to expect it to actually do better than real steel one in theatrically. Uh, I, I expect it to do about the same, uh, but it could see streaming success yet again. And so maybe this time they just plan for it a bit better um, rather than, you know, I mean, times have changed. Streaming world has definitely grown in tremendous ways. Um, and, and I think that's something that is wonderful. I, I, as a huge uh, advocate for the exclusive theatrical window, that's something that I think it is actually really cool that streaming gives. Um, and we've talked about it many times, but streaming does give opportunities for sometimes either smaller projects or maybe less popular projects um, that maybe big studios won't always green light. Sometimes Netflix will Netflix green lights, a lot of gr grade B action movies. This could be another one of them, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for any of those Real Steel fans out there. Uh, I'd, I'd watch it. I'd tell you, I'd watch it. I, I, I think the first one's very fun. Um, like I said, there's a lot of movies that are being talked about starting production or rumored about this week um, that are related to series, uh, film series, I should say, not, not TV series. Um, Hunger Games prequel project is starting production in 2022. I feel like every time we talk about a movie starting production, it's starting production in early 2022, which just makes me think that early 2023 is going to have a lot of movies. I don't know if that's just me, but uh, <laughs> every, nothing's like starting production now. Everything's starting production in 2022. <laughs> 
uh, feels like we're doing that. This is called the, the book it's based off of is called the ballad of songbirds and snakes. If that doesn't sound like a song of ice and fire, I don't know what does. Uh, <laughs> sure. More hunger game stuff. It'd be cool. Um, I'm not totally sure what this prequel follows. Um, I mean, obviously hunger games is very financially successful um, theatrically uh, and, and streaming wise, it's a widely popular series. Um, I remember for, I guess like Halloween or whatever, um, everyone was dressing up as Katniss Everdeen, you know, like everyone wanted to be an archer, um, which I think really paved the way for Hawkeye's success, even though Hawkeye was kind of coming out around that time also in the movies. Um, I think that gave Hawkeye a little bit more pointers. I mean, I'm always a big fan of bow and arrows, you know, that's cool. It's a cool way to fight. Um, as they were talking about it, they highlighted the potency of big brands at the box office. Hunger games is, is definitely a big brand. Um, I'm definitely curious what this prequel follows. Uh, if it follows just like, does it follow? Cause it's technically our world, right? It's not an alternate earth. Like it's not an alternate universe, right? I'm pretty sure it's technically our world in the future. And so I wonder if this prequel will be the, the district 13 story that we kind of get half told um, in the, the third book movie um, while we're in district 13, are we going to get that story or are we getting the, was it 75 years ago story of, Hey, how did Pan Am actually even get set up? I think I'm more interested in the Pan Am one. Um, I think it'll be the district 13 one. Probably it's closer to the, Katniss Everdeen story. So it's an easier story to tell. Um, it's easier for people to understand what's going on in this world. Uh, but I think I'm really interested in to see how like Pan Am was like set up. How did it even divide itself into 13 districts? How did that happen? Uh, that, that's kind of the story I, I want to see. Um, continuing off the sequel bait. Uh, this one... I guess it's confirmed to happen because they say there's a lead or at least they know they want it to be a female lead. Um, Chronicle two, again, 10 year old movie Chronicle one came out in 2012. Josh Trank directed. Um, and it's a great movie. Um, I talked in one of my, I took two film classes in college and in one of the two of them, we talked about Chronicle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, Chron Chronicle does some amazing things, especially, um, I think it's one of the best found footage films that exists out there. It's probably like this. And I totally just lost the, the other one. It's JJ Abrams film that I can't think of. Um, it's bothering me that I can't remember the title of this movie. Oh, well, uh, but yeah, the original had Dane DeHaan, Michael B. Jordan, Alex Russell, um, and almost immediately sparked rumors for a sequel. 
However, so let this movie was from 20th Century Fox, which I guess now means it's owned by Disney. Uh, um, Chronicle, this says, was literally the best return on investment from IndieWire. Any of my movies ever made, says Josh Trank. Um, Chronic, they made Chronicle for $12 million and it grossed $126 million, literally 10x. That's a great movie right there. That's wide success. Um, sorry, that was uh, John Davis who said that, who's also a producer on Jungle Cruise, which just came out. But yeah, they do say um, it had a huge afterlife after syndication. It's one of the most financially successful movies. It is stable. They're working on Chronicle 2 right now. It's going to be great. We're working on it at Fox. Um, it's going to give us a chance to tell us the story in a different way. Is this an old article that just resurfaced? No, it's not. So when they say Fox, oh, 20th Century Studios. He just called it Fox because that's what everyone's been calling it since the studio was created, you know, like 80 years ago <laughs> by a guy with the last name of Fox, literally named after this guy who has this complete grassroots story um, I read it once. He he was a no name. He was a no name that made his own film studio with, and his name his last name was Fox. And he he made his own film studio, and it became one of the biggest film studios. And then Disney buys it and removes his name, like pfft, just a race in history, you know. Um, kind of annoying, but those of us we'll we'll remember him for sixty more years, and then future generations can forget about him, like usual. Um, it's going to give us to tell a chance to tell the story in a different way. We're going to tell it from a female point of view. The first one followed three high school boys. This one's going to follow some female character that we don't know too many details about just yet, I guess. Um, and it sounds like they are going to set it maybe 10 years later. It will have been 10 years since the event happened in Seattle and a lot of it's going to deal with fake news and real news and cover-ups. More interestingly, it's the next generation getting these powers that are maybe more corruptive. Um, these are young women just finishing college. They're empowered, and this is their journey. I mean, what a new and interesting story you could tell there. Cool. Um, they're saying that Josh Trank probably will not be returning, but no director it has been assigned. Um, because in 2020, Josh Trank told Polygon, uh, another news website, I really didn't ever want to see Chronicle 2 happen. That was my worst nightmare. First of all, I'm not doing it. Second, if somebody else does it, then you know it's going to be a piece of poop. Yeah, cool. Uh, sounds like he's a big fan. I mean, I don't disagree with him. I mean, I, I this movie definitely doesn't need a sequel. Then again, not any movie. Star Wars didn't need a sequel but it's nice that they gave us it, you know, it, it, it could turn out to be a wonderful movie. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, first one's super good. I wonder if they'll still do found footage um, as their uh, medium of choice, their, their genre. Um, finally, our last news article. And I'm so happy the way movie web writes this title because it's exactly what I'm calling it. Jumanji 4 is moving forward. 
Um, the producer wants to knock it out of the park. Jumanji 4, how are they on Jumanji 4? We had Jumanji, and then we had Jumanji the next level. So this is Jumanji 3. But what about the original Jumanji? Wait, so then, okay, so then maybe it is the fourth movie. And it is definitely the fourth movie, because if you saw Jumanji the next level, it actually had one or two characters that were in the original Robin Williams Jumanji movie. And that was a cool connective tissue piece. And at first I thought it was just like a little fun Easter egg of bringing those actors back, but those actors are back playing their same roles. And then the additional way it ends is with like a stampede of, was it elephants stampede of animals in the real world? much akin to all of the Jumanji hijinks that were happening in the real world in the original movie. So Jumanji four was clearly being hinted at that the original is connected. They haven't forgotten it and they do want to connect them all together um, as they have been. So uh, an update on Jumanji four from the producer Hiram Hiram Garcia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry. Uh, following the release of the original Jumanji in 1995, the movie series was rebooted, but I argue it's still a sequel. In 2017, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. I forgot that movie had a subtitle. Um, and then Jumanji, The Next Level in 2019, which I still contest has one of the longest running uh, theatrical releases that I've ever seen. It blew my mind. It came out before Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker and then Star Wars Rise of Skywalker was gone. It was out of theaters and Jumanji was still in theaters. It completely enveloped Star Wars. Um, which I think is amazing. Like That's clearly a very successful movie. I mean, Star Wars is one of the biggest franchises that anyone talks about, um, especially that we talk about on this show. Um, and so for Jumanji to completely envelope it, huge success there. Uh, given the success of the new movies, another installment is currently in production. It goes on to saying, that's also in the hopper. We're very focused on delivering the best version of that story. Obviously, when you're fortunate enough to bring back to bring a team back together for the third time, you want to knock it out of the park. It's important for us to deliver something big for the fans while still expanding on our Jumanji story. So we are drilling down deep and collaborating closely with our writers, directors, and producing partners. Um, he lists them, Jake Kasdan and Matt Tolmek. Um, it sounds like the core cast will probably return. Dwayne Johnson, Jack Black, Kevin Hart, Karen Gillan. Um, also probably, I imagine the people that play those teenagers, um, oh, he's got another quote in here. We're just starting to talk about all of that. And the truth is we barely started. We were just getting into the conversation before this global calamity. Um, and we will re-engage as soon as everybody's settled. Um, Kasdan told Collider at the start of the pandemic, we all love working together and we've loved making these to me, the thing that's always been the most critical when talking about a sequel first in the first movie what when talking about a sequel first in the first movie and now in the possibility of another sequel is um it would have to be exciting on its own two feet in a way that's comparable to what the first two were for me uh i would have to love the idea just as much so i think there will be a third one and it's just the earliest days of trying to figure out what that would be now I gotta say I don't think Jumanji, Jumanji one is pretty solid, but Jumanji two kind of does a lot of the same things but slightly different, 
and those slight differences are very appreciated. I mean, the uh, Danny Glover and uh, I was going to say Frank Reynolds. Um, what's his name? <laughs> How did I just lose his name? Cultural icon. Uh, um, Danny DeVito. Uh, Danny DeVito and Danny Glover with the the rock and the kevin hart stuff like that stuff is wonderful that's just comedy genius um so like that that was a great idea but does it make the sequel a gimmick maybe um so i'm curious to see what they do with the third one um i think it'll still be a good movie um but i don't think the jumanji movies are like great they're they're just they're fun action movies they're fun family movies and you can't complain about that, you know. You love to see it, love for them to make more of them. Um, so I think that is our last news article for the week, which means I'm just going to remind everyone that Saturday noon Eastern time, talking the Bad Batch season finale and Marvel's What If season premiere. We got it yesterday. Both of those will be fun to talk about. Um, I haven't decided whether I'm doing going back to DC for a moment. Uh, Titans premieres tomorrow, I believe, uh, season three. Um, and I'm going to watch it and I'll decide based on that, whether I want to do a weekly show for it. Um, cause season two kind of fizzled in like we did a show for the finale and it was because I was so upset with it. I thought it was such a bad finale. I was so I was so angry with it. Just the, the production of it. Not not any of the story they were trying to tell. The production of it was so bad on top of the story being bad. And so it, it could be a fun one to talk about, to rant about every week. Uh, and then Wednesday, this show, uh, next Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, the movies I have on my list to watch are Free Guy. That Free Guy is getting a ton of buzz. And then also Respect, uh, which is the Aretha uh, Franklin movie. Uh, so, yeah, both of those movies, that biopic, um, two different, vastly different genres, obviously, but uh, could be a good week for movies, I think. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed this past week rewatching the old Suicide Squad. Never thought I'd say that. Uh, <laughs> But here we are, me taking back some of my negative comments and making more. Um, free Guy and Respect next week, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday. And don't forget about the Saturday show. I am going to go ahead and conclude here. Let me back up for just a moment. Um and yeah, that's going to be the show. So uh, I just have to click this one thing before I conclude, and then I can be out of here. Don't forget to tune in next week. But this is Unanimous Indecision. I'm Joshua Troop. We'll catch you next time.